Morning, church. How are we doing today? Good to see you today. Uh, my name is Aaron. If we have not yet met, I have the joy of serving as the pastor of our church and would love to have uh, uh, just a few minutes of your time after service right in the back of the seven-minute hangout to put a face to the name, find out how you got connected here, and um, help you get more plugged into what this story is and what God's up to. On this past week, Krista came home after uh, work, and she was a little discouraged because there were some changes that were going to happen at her job that she didn't want. And we've all been there before. She was a little worried that the balance that she's enjoyed this past year in her job might, might be changed, right? And uh, so she came home, and she was bummed out about that. Can we all just say, oh, oh, right, oh. Yeah, she's okay. But wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where there weren't any unexpected changes uh, to our jobs, you know, or nothing we had to worry about in terms of, like, disappointments in life? Like, wouldn't that be kind of nice to know? Um, wouldn't it be great if you're in college, graduate college, get the internship, and you just stay in the most fulfilling job for the rest of your life? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be great to not worry about dating, for those of you who are still dating? Oh, dating is a disaster right now. It's hard. Wouldn't it be nice to just know that there was enough money in the retirement account and you just knew you'd be okay, right? Yeah, that'd be great. Unfortunately, we don't live in that kind of a world. We live in a very unpredictable world, uh, a world where we're limited in our resources, in our wisdom, in our time, in our understanding. And so that's why Jesus' words about worry this morning are some of the most important and comforting words to me in my own personal life, and I hope for, for you as well today. Um, but they're also some of the most confusing. In our passage, Jesus is going to say, do not worry about tomorrow. And I don't know about you, but I think if I was sitting with Jesus, I might say, Jesus, that's easy for you to say, man. Like, you're God in the flesh. Don't worry. I mean, you can calm a storm. You can feed 5,000. Me? I'm limited. Like, why? Like, worry? What? How could I ever live a life without worry? How could I ever go through my life not worrying about if I'm going to lose my home when I lose my job? How could I ever live a life not worrying about my kids and their future? That seems impossible to me. But yet Jesus says, do not worry. And so this morning, we're going to look at his words in this passage. If you have your Bibles, look to Luke chapter 12. Uh, 22 through 32. I'm really excited about this passage. Uh, Luke 12, 22 through 32, if you have your Bibles. If you need one, you can just raise your hand, and someone in the back will get you one if you do. It'll be on the screen as well, but if you are new, we definitely want you to know your Bible. We believe that the Bible is God's word to us, and it can be intimidating for people, and so we really want you to learn how to navigate it if you're here with us today. So just raise your hand, we'll get one for you. But Luke chapter 12, 22 through 32, and this is our third week in our series, What Are You Searching For? And today we're looking at what are you searching for? Are you searching for security and for health? You see, all of us want security. We want to feel like we're secure in our life. And Jesus tells us, you know what? Like, let me answer that question, you know, the search for security. And he, what, what he gives us is not necessarily a secure life. What he gives us is a promise of a worry-free life, which is a little different. So let's read the passage together. Verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. 
Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than the birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is tomorrow thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Now you have little faith. And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Father God, we're so thankful this morning for this passage because um, it's so relevant to our life. We all want to be comfortable and have security. And yet, Lord, uh, we live in a world that doesn't promise us that, but you do promise us uh, an opportunity to live a life without worry. God, I pray for anybody here who comes in with worries. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine there's no one here. And so we pray this morning, by the work of your word and by the Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to be comforted, change us, make us more like you, encourage us this morning. And for anybody here who comes in with a very discouraged heart, maybe an overly anxious heart, God, we ask that just even this time together today, that you would bring peace to their life and that we might all leave today different and more focused on you and whatever's coming up this week for us. We thank you for the time we have together, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite Disney movies is The Lion King, and there's that song in that movie, Hakuna Matata, right? You know the, the words. Maybe not. I had to look them up again. But the, the phrase Hakuna Matata means there's no room for trouble. There's no troubles in Swahili. It says this, it means no worries for the rest of your days. It's our problem-free philosophy, Hakuna Matata. All right? And of course, if you grew up in the 80s, you know the song Bobby McFerrin sang. I don't know if we have the video or not. Tori, do we? Uh, Katie, let's see if we can play it in the back. It was the last minute ad. Okay. Oh, yeah. You know the song. I mean, yeah. song I wrote, you might want to sing it note for note, don't worry, Come on. be happy. Okay, okay, we'll end it right there. That song is easier said and sung than lived, am I right? Oh yeah, I mean, it just is. You see, all of us worry some of the time, and some of us worry all of the time. And I found out some of the top seven things that we worry through some research this past week, and here they are on the screen. Number one, our future. I feel like it's family feud here for a moment. I don't know why. But family, uh, our, our future. Uh, will I get married? Will I have enough in the bank account? Um, what about my kids? What about their future? Uh, we worry about our past. I regret what I did. We worry about our health. 
We worry over job security. We worry about what others think about us. We worry about a relationship. Does anybody here worry about any of those things? Maybe some of you are worried about all of those things. And I want to preface this message real quick and just say that um, some of us, because of trauma or family brokenness or chemical imbalance, might have more than just worry. We might have actually deep levels of anxiety in our life. And if you are in that place of just deep, overwhelming anxiety, there's a lot of grace here in this place and in this passage. And I've talked about deep levels of anxiety in other messages. You can go back to the fall. I did a message in Philippians chapter 4, and you can find them on the podcast to so do a deeper dive into um, how God interacts with us with anxiety and some opportunities for healing in that. But even for me, as somebody who has had bouts of anxiety, I need to hear Jesus' words to us do not worry. Do not worry. Because Jesus wants to put worry in its proper place in our life. And so he opens up with the command, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus uses two words for worry in our passage. The first one has to do with divide. When we worry, we're divided. Our soul and our minds are divided. We're thinking about something else. You know, Krista knows this. When I come home and I'm worried about my sermon, I'm having dinner with the kids, but mind is elsewhere. I'm divided. I'm playing football with Cole, and I'm thinking about work. I'm divided. You know, worry causes division in our mind and our hearts and our body. And then the other word he uses has this idea of a universe or stars. When we're worried, uh, we miss the big picture of our life. When you're worried, you miss the big picture. You miss the big picture of what God's doing. We get kind of lost in it. And I even like to think that second idea of getting lost in the stars. You ever been so worried you just kind of forget everything? You know, you kind of are spacey. That's what Jesus is talking about here in our passage. And so the first truth that Jesus wants us to know about worry is this, that we are to consider the bigger picture of our lives when we're worried. When you're worried and I'm worried, we are to consider the bigger picture of our life. Verse 23, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Your soul, which is what the word for life is that Jesus chooses, is more than what you eat. It's more than your security. It's more than your comfort. It's bigger than that. Jesus was speaking this very passage to a group of uh, peasants and farmers on a side of a mountain near a lake. And they depended on their day labor to make a living. They knew what it was like to go through worrying about their food each and every day. And so when Jesus says this, he's not being mean. He's not trying to, you know, kind of offend them in any way. Instead, what he means is that he's saying that their security and their needs aren't the most important thing in life. He's saying to them that pursuing uh, their security uh, isn't the end goal of their life. In other words, he's saying, if your goal in life is to have security and comfort, you're going to be searching your entire life because there's more to life than what you eat and what you wear. That's what Jesus is trying to say. He wants us to see the bigger picture of our life. You see, most of us don't worry about what we eat. We worry about getting better choices to eat. We don't worry about uh, what we eat. We worry about making more sales calls so we can go to Disneyland. We don't worry about uh, what we wear. We worry about what, what other people think about us in what we wear, right? And if we only concern ourselves about those things, we might lose track of the bigger story. What Jesus is trying to do is say, hey, this, hey, hey, hey everybody, um, I, I don't want you to build your empire. I want you to be thoughtful about God's kingdom, which he alludes to later on in our passage. 
And so we are to consider the bigger picture of our life. Uh, this past week, I got to talk to my friend Chris, and he gave me permission to share this. So thank you, Chris, for letting me um, share your story. Uh, but Chris and I have known each other for 30 years, since we were 12 years old, 30 years of friendship. We really are still 12 years old uh, inside, but we're you know, in our 40s now. Uh, but Chris uh, went through some hard times a few years ago, and he went bankrupt, uh, lost everything, and had zero dollars to his name. And when he, I asked him about that journey, he said to me, it was the best blessing. Because when he hit rock bottom, when everything was gone, he realized how free he really was to do what God actually wanted him to do. He realized that his job wasn't his security, it was God. And so you know what he did? He got right back up, started a, a steel fabrication company, which feels very, you know, like great response to losing everything, <laughs> just get tougher, you know. He now has 13 people employed at his company. And Chris told me that his purpose in life isn't that job, it's now to help 13 families you know, make a living. You see, life is so much bigger than just our comforts. And we're to remember that when we worry. We're to consider something else when we worry as well. Verse 24 and 27, consider the ravens and consider the wildflowers. Jesus says you can put worry in its proper place by considering how valuable you are to him. The word consider is a mental word. And I love when science backs up what Jesus teaches. Uh, one of the most common therapeutic techniques used by therapists today is to put worry in its proper place. It's part of a cognitive behavioral approach. And one therapist I read about uh, asked her anxious clients to consider how that area of worry is going to impact you in three months, six months, nine months, a year, or 10 years down the road. What modern counseling has, help, has found helpful is what Jesus is doing here. He puts worry in its proper place by helping us focus on the perspective of God's care and value of us. And so he says to consider the ravens. Have you seen a raven? You know, ravens are like the, so lazy of a bird, right? Okay. They have no emergency fund. That's what Jesus says. They have no storeroom. They don't go around and get food and then put it away for later like a, you know, like a, like a squirrel or something like that. They, they are just lazy. And you know what they eat? They eat your kids' peanut butter and jelly sandwiches off the playground, right? <laughs> Guess who feeds them? God. Verse 24. It's God who feeds them. God's the one who says to the, the ravens, hey, you can have Billy's sandwich. That's cool. You can have that today. Right? God feeds them. We're to remember that. We're to consider that. And then, of course, we're to consider the wildflowers. Have you seen the mustard seed on the hills now? It's gorgeous, right? It makes our, our hills come alive and beautiful. You know what's going to happen in three weeks? It's all going to be dead, everybody. Okay? scorched by the sun. And yet God says, or Jesus says in verse 28, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? See, Jesus uses what's called a avitori. Um, it's a, a teaching technique. He goes from the lesser to the greater. So he goes from the lesser, the ravens and the wildflowers, and then he moves to the greater, and guess what's greater? You. If God values those things, how much more does he value your concerns? And I, when we hear this sometimes, I think to ourselves, we probably dismiss it. We think, oh, Jesus is using a metaphor. 
the ravens and the birds. The ravens only get food because of the seed. The, you know, the, the, bird, you know, the flowers only grow because you know, the, it rained a lot. No, 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 no. It happened because God allowed those processes to happen. You see, our view of God has to change in this passage. God is so involved in his creation, he even cares for the birds and for the flowers. So if God so cares for lesser uh, creatures like them, how much more valuable are you? Now, I need to hear this for myself because I do worry in my life. And some of my worries might be silly to you, but I worry about my kids' grades. Um, I worry about my kids' college education in like five years, but I feel like it's coming really quick all of a sudden. Um, I worry about my sermon every day of every week. I worry about failing in preaching. I, I worry about my parents aging. I, I worry about uh, uh, the, uh, the future of our culture, the direction of our secular culture. I worry about you. I worry about burnout for myself. Everybody has worries. And every one of your worries is important to Jesus because you're valuable to him. Jesus gives us a third way to consider and put worry in its place. He says that we are to consider how useless and ineffective worry is. Verse 25, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Can any of you add a single hour to your life? Just If you can, I really want to meet you, okay? That'd be awesome. Well, maybe not. That'd be kind of weird, actually. But can you add a single hour to your life? Since none of us can, we can't do that very thing. Verse 26, why do you worry about the rest of your life? If you can't add an hour to your life, why worry about 10 years down the road? Why worry about a year down the road? See, what Jesus is trying to do, he's trying to show us how ineffective and useless worry is because we can't control the outcome. We can't control the outcome. You know how uh, a more effective strategy would be? It would be to, you know, roll over and maybe write down the things we can control. You know, actually write out the things that maybe we can control in your life. So maybe you're worried about your health. You can't control the day and time when God says, come home. But you can control your diet. You can control uh, when you go to bed. You can control going to the doctor. I'm going to the doctor for the first time this week in five years. Krista's been like, you got to go, you got to go, I'm going. We can control those things. So when I'm nervous and anxious about my sermon, at two in the morning, when I'm flooded with thoughts of how to improve my message, you know what I do? I put a notepad next to my bed. I roll over at two in the morning. I write down all the things that I can control. And then I turn over and go back to sleep. See, Jesus is trying to show us that, hey, there's things we can't control. And a more effective strategy is to actually think about those things. Uh, another uh, part of this passage is to know that some things we worry about don't actually even happen. You know, worrying is useless and ineffective because many of the things that you're worried about right now aren't actually going to work themselves out. It's not, it's not even going to like be an issue at all. I read a story this past week from a guy named J. Arthur Rank, who was a wealthy businessman and film pioneer in the UK. And he was a Christian and a worrier. And I read this in the Daily Bread. Rank found he couldn't push his worries out of his mind completely. They were always uh, popping back up. So he finally made a pact with God to limit his worry to Wednesday. He even made himself a little Wednesday worry box. I thought about doing that this week. And he placed it on his desk. Whenever a worry cropped up, Rank wrote it out and dropped it into the Wednesday worry box. Would you like to know what he discovered? When Wednesday rolled around, 
he would open that box and find that only a third of the items he was worrying about were still worth dealing with. The rest had managed to resolve themselves. The devotional concludes, if you have a troubled heart, ask God to give you a new perspective. Also ask him to give you patience so you do not jump ahead and worry about a problem that may never come. The oldest woman who ever lived was a 122-year-old French woman. She ate two pounds of chocolate her entire life, and she smoked cigs until 117 years old. <laughs> now, I say that. Now, I want you to live a healthy lifestyle. That's good, right? But I say that because there are things in our life that we cannot control. And Jesus is trying to point out how useless and worthless worry is. I've told this to you before, but I'll say it again. 40% of the things you worry about do not actually work, ever happen. 30% uh, is about things in the past you can't change. 10% of our, our worries are related to our health, and your worry actually makes it worse. And 8% are about things that are legit, but your worry can't actually change those things. So how do I put worry in its proper place? Jesus says for us to consider that life is more than having security. It's bigger than that. Consider how valuable you are compared to everything else, and consider how useless and ineffective worry is in life. Now, even if we did all those things, which are great things from Jesus, and it's from him, it's his word, even if we did all those things, we would still not live a worry-free life if we don't pay attention to Jesus' final words. His final words in this passage are the linchpin to a worry-free life. He says this in verse 29, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world or the secular world runs after all these things. And your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock. Don't you love he calls us a flock, sheep, the most timid of animals? For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The secular world runs after security and comfort. It, it's the hamster reel. You know, you're all in the world. You, you know what it's like at your company. It's the grind. The secular world is constantly running after safety and security. How come? It's because of the same reason they had in Jesus' day. It's because they don't know God as their father. The reason why the secular world runs after these things is that they don't know God as their father. In Jesus' day, um, the secular world were the Romans and the Greeks. And they believed in God. They believed that God had actually created the world. And then he had backed away and let it kind of run itself. He wasn't in personally involved in the world's activities. In fact, they believed that if God was involved in your life, he was only there to punish you. And that was a bad thing. So they didn't want God to be involved. So they lived their life constantly thinking that their destinies and their futures were up to them. They thought, okay, I got to make it happen. I got to earn the, li the living. I got to make it all come together. And they lived with worry and anxiety. And so they were setting their hearts on these things and they pursued after them. But Jesus completely flips the script on who God is. And he says, Your father, your father knows you need them. How do we live a life without worry? How do we live a life not worrying about losing the house? when we lose the job. The only thing that will let you live a worry-free life is to know that God is your father. That's the only thing. The only thing that can really lead you to a life of security 
is to know that God is your Father, and he knows all of your needs. Notice the language change in our passage. He goes from impersonal to personal. Verse 24, God feeds the ravens, God feeds the, uh, the wildflowers, and now he says, it's your Father who cares for you. Only you and I can call God our Father. No other part of creation can do that, just us. So only we can do that. But sometimes when I'm anxious, I can feel like I'm all alone in my anxiety and my worry. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you've ever been worried before and you just think to yourself, well, God's in heaven and he's tolerating my anxiety, he's tolerating my worry until I deal with it. Like the problem's on my own. Have you ever had that before where it's like, okay, I'm worried. I know God knows I'm worried, but he's kind of just putting up with it until I deal with it on my own. That's a lie. See, God's not in heaven tolerating your worry, hoping for you to solve all of your own life's problems. He knows what you need. He's concerned. He's involved. And the answer to a worry-free life is to know God as your father. You can live a worry-free life because the one who created and holds everything together also created and holds you together. He holds us. God's not far away. He takes care of the birds. He takes care of the flowers. He takes care of you. And now our response is to seek after him. He gives us two promises. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Jesus isn't saying, if you seek after me, then I'm going to care for you. What he's saying is that since I'm your father, since I care for you, all you have to worry about is seeking the kingdom now. Now take my kids. I want them to get good grades. Imagine if I said to my kids, hey, um, I want you to get good grades, and when you do, I'm going to care for you. You should call child services on me if that's I, how I parent. That's what we're going to teach you not to do at the parenting uh, thing next week, okay? Instead, what we say is this. Hey, I'm your dad. I love you. I care for you. We've taken care of all of your needs. And since we do that, all you have to worry about is focusing on your schoolwork. And so God is saying to you, hey, I'm your father. I know everything you need. All I want you to do now is just to pursue the kingdom. Imagine if God was just saying that to you every single day you woke up. Hey, I got it. It's okay. I just want you to seek the kingdom. If the one who created and holds everything together created and holds you together, then all that we're invited to do is to seek after God's kingdom. And that means not seeking it alone. You can't seek God's kingdom alone. We just launched groups this past week. If you are not in a group in our church, we want you in a group. We don't care what part of the journey of the Christian faith you're in. If you're just starting or if you, you've been coming here for a while or you're, you're, you're mature in your faith, come and join a group. Thursday night, 6.30. We have Alpha here. It's for anybody. Come join us. We would love to have you. And if you're signed up in a group and you haven't been back to your group yet, go back to your group. They need you in your group. You're needed. You're wanted. Don't leave your group hanging. Go back. We need it, right? And we need to seek the kingdom together. In fact, this coming summer, we're going to launch what's called First Thursdays. It's a little bit of a mouthful. But on the first Thursday of every month, we're going to gather here at 7 p.m. for worship and prayer. It's going to be awesome. We're just going to seek the kingdom together. Once a month, first Thursday of every month, from this point on, we're just going to seek the kingdom together and just trust God for what he's doing in our church. This summer, we start VBS. First time ever in our church. It's going to be awesome. We're going to, yeah, come on. That's good. Yeah. 
We need to seek the kingdom for that because we want kids to come to know Jesus. We're going to start two services in the fall. Oh, yeah. 9 and 11, Kristen and Kids Ministry is like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we need to seek Jesus for these new initiatives. We're not going to go out alone apart from God's. We need to go together and seek his kingdom. That's what we're all about. And so Jesus says, hey, I'm taking care of you. I just want you to seek God's kingdom together. Imagine with me, though, you're on a boat. And I don't know anything about boating, so this is just based off of research. Okay, imagine being on a boat. And you're trying to hug the coastline and just enjoy a nice sail, you know, if that's what you do. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, some rough water starts coming, the current starts coming, uh, a storm starts coming, and you go, oh, no, I'm being taken out into the deeper, dangerous water of the ocean. Now, picture me, you get out your oar, okay, and you're just trying to, to get it going, you know, get back to the, the safer water. Is that going to work? No. That's what I found out about, about, about uh, sailing. If you're thinking that getting back to the coast based on your willpower is going to do it, you will lose every time. In the same way, if you think that overcoming worry and anxiety and getting your circumstances to change in your own willpower is the answer, you will lose every time. You know, the only answer to uh, getting back to the coastline and being safe is to drop your anchor. You got to have your anchor drop. And when your anchor drops, it's got to get attached to the bedrock below. You see, if you drop your anchor and it's not attached to the bedrock, if it's just hanging, hanging in the water, you'll still be taken out into the deeper, more dangerous water. And some of us here today, you're putting your hope in circumstances that are going to change. If you put your hope and your security in your job, in your looks, in your friendships, in whatever it is, everything in life is going to end at some point. The only thing that can hold you securely when life ha happens are the promises of God. That's the bedrock. You've got to get your life attached to the bedrock below, to the promises of God. And so Jesus says to us in our passage, but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That's a promise. He's your Father. Get your life attached to the promises of God. And no matter what happens, no matter what storms or circumstances, you can be safe and secure in Him. So how do we live a worry-free life? We have to consider Consider the bigger picture of your life when you're worried. Consider the value that you have to God. Consider how useless and ineffective worry is. Consider that God is your Father. And remember that He holds the world together and He also holds you together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. And Lord, I realize that in this topic of worry, there are some very serious, major things happening in